Welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep with me, Grace Helbig, your host. Today is thrilling, exciting even. We have Janet Varney with us today. She is a comedian, an amazing voiceover actress, an amazing actress. She started SF Sketch Fest. She's the voice of Korra in Legend of Korra. She's just, uh, she's got fortune rookie. Is that right? Fortune rookie. Sorry, guys. She's just done so much that it's really intensely hard to keep up with. And get ready to learn so much more about the life of Janet Varney on this episode of Not Too Deep. Ugh, I am in love with this woman, and I know you will be too. Not, not Too Deep. This episode of Not Too Deep is brought to you by our good buddies at Squarespace, who want you to know you can turn your great idea into a reality with Squarespace. Squarespace makes it easier than ever to launch your passion project, whether you're showcasing your work or selling products of any kind. With beautiful templates and the ability to customize just about anything, you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. And if you do get stuck, Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer support is there to help. So head to squarespace.com grace for your free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code grace to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. <laughs> Janet, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I am so excited because you wear 12,000 hats. It's nuts. What and if I really did have just like... I would be so impressed. Tiny <laughs> If you had just had Barbie wig hats. after wig yeah. after wig, uh, <laughs> that would be amazing to me. Okay. How do you... Let's say someone walks up to you. They know nothing about you. They're an alien, let's say. How, you don't want to play this out. You just want to say this is a hypothetical. You don't want to pretend to be the person who yeah. walks up to me <laughs> off the street and is like, mm, excuse me. I was like, how do you describe? Because I always have a hard time describing like what I do. I to bet. Someone. Yeah. So, you and I have the same kind yeah, of. Yeah. How would you describe what you do to someone? To be honest with you, Grace, that is an uncomfortable question for Isn't me to be mean? asked. Yeah. And I feel like the number one thing I fall back on, and I'm absolutely not proud of this, is this kind of apology. Really? Like it's an immediate apologetic response where because you don't have one succinct answer. Yeah, for someone. and I feel like like it's the it's the the immediate face I think I might assume is one of like oh boy I'm so sorry that you asked that <laughs> how do I answer it and then what ends up happening is uh, because this happened fairly recently. I sound like I'm embarrassed of anything that like whatever my response <laughs> okay, yeah. is, I sound like I'm like, I'm nah, just a blah, 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 which then, is not true. Right. And I don't know if that's like, I mean, I think that's something that a lot of people do if they don't want to come off as, you know, egotistical, like, egotistical or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I say that I think it's, you know maybe a little more female than male in terms of how we've been socialized yeah, still, you know, be very, yeah. um, but yeah, there's this sort of sense of like, Ugh, I don't know, I do this thing. And then I have this, you know, I produce a festival, but I also blah, blah. And then it just sounds again, like I'm ashamed. Right. That you're reading your resume like, to someone. Yeah, instead of just going like, no, oh, I mean, I'm really lucky. I get to do a bunch of stuff, you know? Yeah. I, I get to do stuff, you know, I get to be on camera and write and do stuff in LA. And then I also have this festival. I'm really proud. Like I should just sort of figure out a way to do it that's compartmentalized and also not apologetic. But I also, I relate to that extremely. Yeah. It's a very weird thing. And then you feel bad that you seem apologetic to this person that's genuinely asking you. The, and- there's as many layers as there are hats <laughs> for you and me. Yeah. Well, so you did The Legend of Korra, uh, which is obviously like a huge, in, like the fan base for that must have oh. been so overwhelming to come to terms with when you first started doing it. Yeah. 
It definitely was. I mean, it was um, it was uh, it was uh, amazing sort of getting dropped into the center of something that was pre-established because right. of the first series, which was so great. Um, so it was, it was very scary. And it was a relief when the, you know, the response, at least the response that I was exposed to was, right, a, was positive. The, the pressure of that must be insane that you go in and you're like, I just want to do a good job. Yeah. And there are people that, you know, love you know, these creative enterprises so much that you're like, I don't want to disappoint these people. So, yeah. uh, and I saw that you just went to New York Comic Con. I did. But you went there for your IFC series. Yes. Okay. Principally, yeah. But you've been there before. Yes. Be- for Legends of Korra? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I've gone for Legend of Korra. Uh, yeah. That was, it might be like my seventh com- New York Comic Con. Really? I, probably, I think. How many we- San Diego? Uh, slightly less because there was a at least two years I couldn't go, okay. but those are, but I never went as a, as just an attendee, like right. people that, you know, I had friends who were on shows and stuff and would go down there and then friends who would go down there as, as fans. And I was incredibly intimidated by the idea of going to a con. I'm not, it's overwhelming. Uh, yeah, why, you know, I don't think you, based on what I know about you, I seriously doubt that you or I are the people who feel comfortable in a crowd, which is true of many people who go to comic cons. Absolutely. But they overcome that. With enthusiasm. Yes. With the graciousness and enthusiasm and excitedness. And, but I, I, yes, I do not like crowd situations at all. However, I fundamentally understand like the pure joy that this situation brings to so many other Absolutely. people. And so it's like rationalizing in your head, like yes. your own discomfort for the comfort of other people. Yeah. Um, do you have, now that you're kind of like a, a veteran at comic cons and cons in general, do you have like your go-to list of things you do or ways you prep before you go? That's a good question. Um, I wouldn't say there's much I do to prep other than you're just your general packing. Um, but I do feel like I kind of, you know, sort of understand about myself, like what my, what my limits are. You know, I, I, I learned very quickly that if I go out after a day at a con, I will probably have lost my voice by the next day. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, an important part kind of, of your toolbox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a there's a sort of like hibernation that happens the second my whatever is being asked of me is complete. Yeah. I, I'm not I, I don't then say like, oh, you know, because there a lot of the time there are people in town that perhaps you even live in the same city regularly, but you just never see them. Right. And when you're in this kind of specific situation, there is a different opportunity presented to hang out. Yeah. And I, I've, I've come to understand that that isn't probably helping anyone. If it's yeah. like, Oh, Phil Lamar's in town, let's go have dinner. And then maybe we'll go to a bar and we'll just talk and, and we'll scream and over we'll everyone scream over <laughs> stuff, about stuff that probably doesn't need to be screamed about. Yeah. And yeah, so that's, that's, I've, I've become the cocoon, you. yeah, the sort of cocoon, <laughs> like, okay, I'll s- see everyone tomorrow. I'll be in the room. Has anyone ever recognized you just based on your voice? Yes. Two times that I can really? think of. Two times that I can think of. I had people who weren't looking at me uh-huh. who sort of looked up with like Curiosity. an expression and then kind of Never, either asked or, oh, they did ask. or, yeah. Once was I was getting rung up at a Whole Foods. <laughs> And she was like, you know, busy ringing everything up, but she was very nice and making conversation. And at a certain point, somehow she just like a light bulb went on. She looked up and she was like, are you Cora? (laughs) Uh, And I'm sure I was saying something stupid like, I know, iceberg lettuce, not a lot of nutrients in it. Like, I'm sure it was some really stupid, just menial, you know. Uh, And then the other time, and I do remember because it is so rare, uh, I was at... uh, I was at the Walt Disney uh, 
I was at the I was at the music hall, right? Uh-huh. The um, why am I blanking on what it's called? But the uh, the Walt Disney Hall, the one that's downtown. Okay. Um, and uh, and I was at like a Christmas concert that uh-huh. you can go and do like a, it's called the holiday sing-along okay and two girls who were sitting right in front of me I was just having a conversation with the person I was with and then all of a sudden and they were like engaged in a lot of fervent whispering and I didn't have any <laughs> sense of that it was about me and then they both turned around into each other so it was like <laughs> and they were like are you Janet Varney from the legend of Korra so they had only heard my voice and were like debating wow. whether or not but those were those were you know. That's very cool. Surprise! Those were both surprising to me. That's so cool. It also like must be strange and fun to have those kind of experiences. It, it was totally cool, yeah. and I was. And usually my response when we people say like, "Oh, it's so weird to hear," you know, your your voice sounds like Cora. I'm always like, "Oh yeah, I borrow her voice. Like that's oh, you know, yeah. it's her voice. I just use it when she's not doing What's- stuff." I have a question. What's the like a primary demo or what was the demo for that show? Like was male, female, like young, old? Like- yeah. I mean, I think it was, I think Nickelodeon presented it as kids above the age of probably 12 okay. or something. Um, but then what ends up being true is is that it, it attracts people of, of all ages. I mean, well, when I do signings and stuff, it's it's amazing to me how diverse uh, the group is. And I would say it's like equal guys and girls. Yeah. Cause you guys tackle real like world issues. Yeah. It gets dark. Yeah. Really. They don't pull any punches on the show, but that must be cool to be part of it's something great. that has like such a global kind of like, um, impact. It's for great. People. Yeah. I, it, it's, it has been nothing but a, just a complete honor. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, that's so fun. Thanks. Yeah. Um, nice. okay. I want to talk about fortune rookie. Great. Cause I love tarot cards. I nice. love tarot card readers. I, I get I I'm overdue for getting my my whole cards read. Um, how did this come about? Because you created this and now it's on IFC. People can watch the whole thing. Yeah, it's 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 short form. You can watch it on IFC.com. It's on YouTube. I mean, there's pretty tons to of cameos from tons of hilarious people. Yeah. It's so fun. Oh, the tone of it is thanks. like weird and silly and like and just like it's a really kind of goofy satirical humor that I really, really enjoy. Oh, that means so much to me. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, so tell me all about this. How did this come to its creation? Well, so my, actually my friend Gray Delisle, who does a bunch of voices on on cartoons and stuff as well, um, uh, I, I, I don't know that I've named her specifically, but I was just with her at Comic-Con and mm-hmm. I was like, maybe I should just start acknowledging that she was the person that, she actually saw a psychic and had an amazing experience yeah. and I have, I had never gone to one and, and, and kind of had the curiosity. I have that like, I think this is very normal and common, especially for people kind of in like a nerd or geek culture where sure. you sort of have maybe a wild imagination and you have a lot of optimism, but maybe you also have a healthy dose of cynicism. And, and a so, belief in science. And a belief in science. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Uh, so there's this like push and pull always mm-hmm. of like, I would love to see a ghost. <laughs> I'm ready. And like, it just is not happening for yeah. me. Uh, so I thought, well, listen, if ever there's a time to have this, you know, to, to get a reading by someone, it's got to be after this friend of mine has had this extraordinary experience sure. where she can point to any, any number of things that she felt came to fruition rather wow. quickly okay. after she went. So I went and saw this person. I did not have the same experience. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> but at least you went in optimistically, open-mindedly. Yes, yes. A lot of people don't have good experiences because they don't go in with an open mind. Yeah. They go in with pure cynicism. Yes. So at least you can say you tried. I did try. Uh-huh. And, uh, there, and there was definitely, there were a couple of things that he hit on that, again, I wish I could say I felt like were based on a real psychic sure. gift, but... Uh, but it, but I was overwhelmed by this idea of, you know, just even like somebody who's not a real psychic, if, if such a thing even exists. Right. Again, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to be proven wrong. I'd be so excited. Uh, but that, you know, he that there were things that he could kind of mm-hmm. get to, you know, but with some work. Sure. You know, sort of like, I'm getting that. And, yeah, you know, yeah. you sort of start to kind of be like, yes, uh-huh. I do need to let that person out of my life. You know, you sort of. Um, so it really did stick with me. And uh, and I just became really fixated on this idea of at some point getting to play, uh, you know, some sort of psychic, be it a real or fake. Um, and so that was probably six or seven years ago. And oh, it's wow. kind of it's kind of evolved. First, it was just like a fictional character on a sitcom mm-hmm. who, you know, was raised by a con artist dad who has kind of has to reckon with it was very light it was just very it's a sort of very light idea and then it gradually turned more and more into like "Eh, maybe it's just me maybe it's just (laughs) an alternate universe version of me who uh is uh, perhaps a little more shallow and yeah uh, i love that you use everyone's real names like everyone's called out (laughs) there's some people that are and some people that's always weird when it's like you know yeah when, yeah, yeah. when you have some people who are pretty well known who are playing not themselves and then well, kind it of opens everyone with else Fred is, Armisen but, sitting yeah. with you which is a strong way to open it's a strong way to open well and there we sort of make fun of that even like as I say you're very on brand for me because it's IFC yeah. and IFC does Portlandia but yeah, uh, yeah I'm really bad at it I've, essentially I think in the second season we'll probably flash back to what actually happens but this the idea is that I'm just in a bathroom I just go into a bathroom right we never and see there's that. a person in there who is like you know, I'm a psychic and I, I'd love to do your reading while you're sitting on the toilet. I don't even need to look at you while I'm doing it. I can mm-hmm. just do it. And this person volunteers this this idea of like, oh, oh, you know, you have the gift. Oh, yeah. And I absolutely my my fictional uh my fictitious janet uh, definitely did not believe in psychic powers in any way shape or form up until someone told her she was psychic (laughs) and then she's just self-important enough that she's like i'm sure that's true like if anyone's psychic it probably is me yeah uh and so she decides to sort of give up on show business and uh and this is a perfect excuse is to is to become you know a fortune teller and just has zero knowledge and sort of you know part of the arc of the show that actually is kind of you know there are those moments where it's like oh this is, wait now that I'm like, we're writing something that's now getting a little uncomfortably close to the truth which is the sort <laughs> of idea of if you don't fully commit to anything right. right even just like the apology version of me who's like no I do all these different things uh then it doesn't hurt as much when yeah. it doesn't work so there is that kind of underlying thread of truth which is like if you don't make a commitment to to really try to see how to be something, um, you won't be hurt, but you also don't really know what your full potential is. That's super cool. So this must be kind of cathartic and therapeutic in a way for you and also just like totally creative at the same time. It, it, I think it really is because that's part of, you know, part of the reason that I think I really took so long 
you know, when you're in comedy and mm-hmm. when you create your own, whatever version of your own um, projects you bring to the table, uh, there's always people saying, you should do stand up or you should do this or why right. aren't you writing a project for yourself? And I think um, I got so wrapped up in doing other people's shows or doing improv, which requires zero writing, right. that, uh, that I hadn't ever buckled down and said, like, let's just make it. Let's just yeah. make something. So it was cathartic. And again, it sort of like has a weird reflection on kind of what goes on in the show. And then it was just such a joyful process to, oh, that's great. to call friends and go, hey, I thought you would think it was fun to play, you know, your ver- the version of yourself. Who's this? Or, you know, do you want to play that's a character awesome. who starts a cult? Like, is that funny to you? <laughs> and then, you know, and then just kind of go from there. That's so fun. Yeah, it doesn't become work then. It's just literally just getting to hang out and have imagination with your friends it's so it was really fun and it was really fun writing for people knowing you know the the difference between writing for uh, a part that hasn't yet been cast and writing for you know a James Roday yeah you I just had him in my head all the whole time but then when he came and we read a scene together you know the first day we were shooting together Mm -hmm. I was so giddy just hearing (laughs) it because it's always going to be a little different and better and he came up with some great improvised stuff that was just made it so alive and I I I was high I was so just like this is amazing oh my god this is so thank you I'm so lucky you know that's awesome so have you guys started season two yeah no no but no because this just came out like a week ago but are there but do we have ideas for season two we have ideas for like eight seasons okay great I mean it could be a full you know it could be a half hour show yeah it's that, just, I mean, uh, it, that has like 12 episodes a season I would love that I'm saying all did these you hear that everyone yeah or specifically people with money and who make choices and Papa decisions IFC. Papa Let's, IFC let's uh, get this there going is. please Papa IFC uh, so you have like this really insane comedy background and you started San Francisco Sketch Fest. Yes. And that's t- how long has that been going for? We are going to have our 18th uh, that's, festival this January. That is bonkers. That's nuts to me. It's, like I can't even throw my own birthday party, let alone like a dude, sketch. <laughs> like, I can't <laughs> even throw my own birthday party. If I didn't have two partners, my partners, David Owen and Cole Stratton, who mm-hmm. uh, I met at San Francisco State when I was there and we were students, um, they are like, there's no way that if both of them walked away tomorrow, I could ever do it. And it's not just because it's too much work for one person. It's sure. because they, they're my family and yeah. that, you know, they're like brothers. Um, and, and it, they, you know, push me forward and inspire me and challenge me. And, and it's, I think they feel the same about me. So, so 18 years. I know it's crazy. That's, At a certain point, it's just becomes like, well, I don't know. We're doing Here it again. We go. Yeah, Here we're we not going to not do it, I guess, you know. So how has it grown in the 18 years? I mean, I'm sure like the first year is literally like you're like, we're trying something. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, the first year we did it, we only did it because we were in a sketch troupe and had nowhere really to perform mm-hmm. because San Francisco has a great comedy history, but it just didn't have a lot of places to try sketch. Sure. Um, I Like, honestly, one of the main places that people did it, there was a huge column in the middle of the room <laughs> that everyone had. <laughs> kind of work around like well we could oh, see fun. x amount of people but you know 10 of those people would not have a, an eye line yeah, yeah, yeah it was rough so we ended up just asking five other sketch groups that we had met within that kind of small community yeah. it was, i mean i want to say it might have been the only sketch groups in the city besides us um but actually but it's a small city so actually it's kind of cool that there were six you know that oh. were all out doing their own thing and we just said you know we 
we think you're maybe having the same hard time we are. What if we all group together and we just present this as a sketch comedy festival? Strength in numbers. Strength in numbers. Yeah. We can, sh- you know, we'll split the cost of the th- a theater rental for a month. Mm-hmm. And um, and we, our group will sort of take on the, you know, publicity and let's get the word out and we'll manage selling tickets. And we can all uh, sort of co-headline with each other in the various combinations cool. uh, so we can also expose we'll have a chance to you'll have a chance to be exposed to all other five audiences and fans that's awesome yeah and and so we got a ton of coverage from the press which was really I think what made it yeah. you know work the first year and it worked well enough that the next year we got a you know 200 seat theater instead of a 90 seat theater and um, and started inviting people from out of town that's cool um, so how many on average um, sketch teams are there each year now it went from six to yeah well and now it's a it's just the same for it's it's SF Sketch Fest because that's what we named ourselves from the beginning but it's been more than sketch comedy for I mean maybe the like 15 of the 18 years it's been more than sketch Uh, we probably even had improv the second year but and music um so now it's like you know there's probably like 60 sketch groups that perform or a combination maybe of 60 improv and sketch groups that are up and coming. That's a total guesstimate, but it's a lot. Um, And then we have, yeah, then we have like, you know, film panels and reunions and we do big tributes to our heroes and, um, you know, music shows and just every form of comedy you can imagine uh, we've explored, even up to like a show where people give humorous tours through a museum. You know, it's just sort of everything. Yeah, <laughs> too. great. Well, I want to get into the weird side of comedy that you've been a part of, but we're going to take a quick break. So when we get back, I have a lot of questions just about, you know, improv, auditions, um, Stand Against Evil, all these things. Awesome. So we'll be right back with more Jenna Barney on Not Too Deep. Not- Guys, look, I know more than anyone that it is tough to make new friends as an adult. How are you supposed to seek out meaningful, platonic relationships as an adult when you spend most of your time behind a desk or, for me, in bed, chip crumbs everywhere, laptop (laughs) heating up my thighs? That's where Bumble BFF comes in, and they are sponsoring this week's episode of Not Too Deep. So you guys probably have heard of Bumble. Uh, They began as a women-first dating app. Get it. But it now includes a friend-finding mode called Bumble BFF. You can find a kindred spirit to join you at that yoga workshop or a fellow 90s sitcom fanatic who's down for a Netflix marathon. No matter what your life situation, Bumble BFF helps you create the support system that you need. Expand your crew, find friends who love the same things you do, and shake up your routine with Bumble BFF. Mm -hmm. To use it, just download Bumble in the ios or android store and switch to bumble bff mode within the app super easy then fill out a profile to let your future besties know what you're all about and i can say like mamrie and i have worked with bumble bff before we met people at vidcon via bumble bff and it was like the coolest like least scary way to meet like internet friends sure fully loved it so if you guys want to learn more you can head to bumble.com slash not too deep. That's bumble.com slash N-O-T-T-O-O-D-E-E-P. Not, not too deep. Support for today's show comes from Third Love. Using millions of real women's measurements, Third Love designs its bras with breast size and shape in mind for an impeccable fit and incredible feel. Just answer a few simple questions from Third Love's Fit Finder quiz to find your perfect fit. Third Love offers double the number of sizes than most brands offer, cups A through H. 
bands up to 40A and with lightweight memory foam cups, straps that won't slip and tagless labels, you'll want to wear these soft and breathable bras and underwear every day. I can say from experience as a girl, like you've heard a billion times before that only love sports bras out of ease and comfort, that these are amazing. You can wear them under any piece of clothing and feel totally secure, feel totally comfortable, not irritated. It's just, ugh, it's a dream support system. Third Love knows that there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering beautiful, beautiful listeners of this podcast 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash grace now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash grace for 15% off today. We're back. Welcome back. Uh, I acted like I just woke up. <laughs> like you put you put me on to sleep we, mode. And then yeah, I we take naps during back. our commercial breaks. Uh-huh. Um, so did you, okay, you your career from what I've read via the internet and all available resources is that you were involved in like creative uh, arts acting and then went into interior design and then came back to acting. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. What was it uh, that wasn't doing the job for you in interior design that brought you back to the acting world? That's a good question. Um, I it was kind of a convergence of different things. I was doing for a while. I wasn't doing any kind of performing really at all, um, except for music. I was in a band in San Francisco, um, which was yeah, which I wish I could say was like as cool as people think (laughs) it must have been. But let them think that. (laughs) Let them think that. I won't ask you any Uh, questions about it. I'll just assume (laughs) it was awesome. (laughs) There is something to be said. Like now, if I ever have to rehearse something in in a music rehearsal space where mm-hmm. it's just you know you walk in and it's a bunch of soundproof soundproof rooms sure. where like you're just listening to, to everybody yeah, yeah where you're listening and the smell of beer like beer that has sepped into something <laughs> and it's like layers of years old that is such a familiar smell to me like yeah. it really jettisons me back to like oh yeah drinking beer at 11 in the morning yeah. in band rehearsals like oh that's not so too not super glamorous uh but yeah so I was I was really just doing that and then um it was my the self-same people uh, david owen and cole stratton and then our, our other uh uh sketch mate who did not produce the festival with us but with whom i'm still very very close friends and is a filmmaker in his own right gabe diani mm-hmm. that we ended up forming the sketch troupe and i was um i was very meek about it i do okay. i wasn't i had never really done comedy except for whatever comedy had gotten thrown at us in you know doing school plays or being a sure. theater major or whatever uh and so i i was very nervous about it in in that kind of way that's sort of you know oh someone else thinks you'll be good at this and then how disappointing for us all if you're terrible <laughs> at it you know yeah. uh totally anxious and scared about it um and so and 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 so that was sort of what was happening, like in my kind of extracurricular life. And then in, in my work life, I'd been working as a in the buying office of this wonderful kind of upscale home furnishing store um, that was in it San Francisco. It was not Ethan Allen. Uh, missed opportunity. It was a- <laughs> I always forget that Ethan Allen was a real person also that is like a historical figure. I have no context for it at all. I just know that it's big in Jersey. That's how you knew you were upper middle class. Is that an Ethan Allen (laughs) settee? Yeah. So this was just a sort of one off, um, like, you know, just a great little place in in Pacific Heights in San Francisco. And and the owner ended up deciding to close the store. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so I was sort of looking at not having that job and not really knowing. I didn't really want to go back to being a project manager, which I had done for an interior design firm, uh, because that really is kind of a full time sit at your desk in an office job. And that, that was hard. Yeah. That was really hard for me. Yeah. Uh, and so it was this kind of and then and then I had just started getting some kind of commercial work that was. I mean, listen, again, this sounds so much more glamorous than it is. But <laughs> in San Francisco, there are a lot of before the big kind of Silicon Valley boom. Right. Um, there would be a lot of companies that would want to make their print ads um, or commercials with real people, mm-hmm. which a uh, lot of the time just means quote unquote real people. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of the time that just means we just want to be able to use this forever and pay you sure. five dollars and you don't know any better because you're not a model or an actor. Right. So I had done some stuff like that because I didn't care. I mean, that's yeah. what's so great about being a real person is yeah. you have a life that has nothing to do with that. So when right. someone says, can, you know, here's $2,000. Can we put you on a Kashi cereal box? People are like, yes, you can. Okay. Like, that's exciting. Quick question. Not me, but do any of those real people ads still exist out there in the ether? I'm pretty sure if you picked up a box of Kashi <laughs> and there was a person's face on it, that's probably a real person. <laughs> but I mean, yours, yeah. any of your stuff. Oh, does my stuff exist? Out it there. might. I, I think would, there's some like Yeti images stuff because sometimes <laughs> they just do stock footage. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. In fact, God, if there's yeah. a photo of you delightfully eating salad, I will lose my <laughs> goddamn mind. You know what I think there is? <laughs> I did. I did a search the other day. I did a search the other day because somebody reached out to me and said, is it possible you are a younger you with short hair is like listening to some music um, as like a clip that's available on Getty Images on a on a train in uh-huh. San, you know they didn't know it was San Francisco yeah. but I was like oh, I think that is a thing and then my next horrified thought was oh God if that's true what about that Getty shoot I did where I was wearing a business suit on a, on a razor scooter <laughs> it was like the beginning no, of razor no, scooters. No, no, no. <laughs> so I started looking. I was like Googling ever like businesswoman, executive scooter footage, f- you know, like stock oh. footage. Oh, and I couldn't find it. Okay. Well, and then I was really glad. I, <sighs> no one needs to see me on a razor scooter. I would love I, know. To, I want that oil painted. <laughs> I want that in a frame. Uh, what? Okay. That's pretty amazing. Uh, uh, but so, yeah. oh yeah. So that I guess the long story short is those those weird things started happening all at once. Where like I was getting work to the point where Cole and then and then they had started the sketch group, and then Cole was like, "You're getting work without an agent. You should get an agent." Mm. And so it just kind of came all came. And then we got scouted by the Aspen Comedy Festival. Oh, that's um, cool. Came up from L.A. and then Mad TV came up and did a scout because San Francisco's close and a lot of really great people like. Uh, from comedy have come out of there like Al Madrigal, Janine Garofalo, Patton yeah. Oswalt, like the list goes on. Bob yeah. Odenkirk, David Cross, I think. Um, but, uh, and so everything kind of happened at once and seriously within six months of what I had always said in the nine years I lived in San Francisco, which was I would never move to L.A. Like up until <laughs> maybe six months before I officially moved there, I was still saying Against that it. and was yeah. positive I never would. Yeah. And then within six months, all that stuff kind of happened. And the next thing that's, I knew, I was living in L.A. That's nuts. Like, that's how it happens. Welcome. Guess I don't hate L.A. so much after all. <laughs> What's um? I mean, you have so many years of like comedy and sketch under your belt. What's the weirdest like either sketch you've been a part of or the weirdest audition? I love to know like when people that are active like actors, what's the strangest audition thing that they've ever. Oh, yeah. 
you know, I, I repress a lot of them. So I was going to say, yeah. I think some of them are so humiliating that you're just like, <laughs> so I can't ever let that live in my psyche ever again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the, the, I think that most people would probably say that commercial auditions are by their nature, more humiliating. There's <sighs> more like it, you have to get through something faster. There's probably just some kind of weird scenario where you have to see something that's not really there. Yep. That's, yeah, yeah, I right? went through like three like, years of that Your dog is running up the wall. You can't believe it. Like, how do you? Uh, and then yeah. you're like, I'm be- am I being pranked? Yeah. Every <laughs> single audition, I think I'm being pranked. And I had to stop doing it because I would just get so angry at what I had yeah. to do that I wasn't even like, not even a contender for the audition. Yeah. I just walk in like, steam that this was what yeah. I had to do. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a normal, healthy human response. What about sketch stuff? Any sketch stand out in your mind of something that you've been a part of or something that you've seen at yeah. the sketch fest that you're like, I can't believe this is actually happening? I think, I mean, the thing that, uh, that jumped into my mind is something that actually was uh, something that people really loved, uh, was, was one of our sketches that we used to do, uh-huh. um, that looking back, I'm like, wow, we really did that. Uh, which was so hard to explain. It's not that hard to explain. It's explain so hard it. to account for. Is what I, I think is what I'm really trying to say. Okay. It's really easy to explain. Okay. But I can't explain it. Yeah, you can't. Uh, yeah. The uh, admitting why it happened. Yeah. Okay. Well, the framework of what we were doing actually was really funny and made a lot of sense, which was Cole had written a sketch called um, the 12-Year-Old Boy Playwright Awards. Okay. And so the idea was this person is present, you know, is, is and it's like the final nominations of, you know, know and so you see a clip of what a 12 year old boy is interested in writing a play about Mm -hmm. so you know the first two make sense in the sense that they're like you know and now an exit from Mr. Gigglefart and it's like (laughs) just a person who giggles and farts you're like yep that's what a 12 year old boy would write in a play Uh and then the other one was like uh, I think it was called Mayor McTitts listen it was a different time Um, her boobs her were balloons it was totally stupid and then in a weird like right turn uh, the third one is a kid who uh, did a stage adaptation of Robert Altman's movie Shortcuts if you haven't seen Shortcuts one of the things we all used to be like weird Robert Altman nerds um, and 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 loved all of his movies uh, like into the into the past like when your dad tells you Pink Floyd's good it was Uh like that it was like (laughs) Robert Altman was so like everyone was so he did this movie called Shortcuts in which Julianne Moore um, there's a scene in which Julianne Moore and maybe like Matthew Modine. Yeah, it was Matthew Modine. Get into an argument. Thank you. <laughs> and you, Jack, do you want to fill in what happens? Because do you remember what happens? About how um, she's not wearing any underwear. Yeah. Yeah. She spills coffee on herself or she yeah. spills something on her skirt right. right before they're supposed to have people over or uh-huh. go and then she somewhere. takes her skirt off to kind of clean it and she's completely. While they're still having an argument. Yeah. And he's like, wait a minute. Why aren't you wearing any? You have no underwear on. You're wearing a skirt. You have no underwear on. And she's like, that's not, we're not talking about that. So we (laughs) recreated that scene (laughs) in which I am playing Julianne Moore and we do it completely straight. But when I take the skirt off, I have a giant like Annie wig merkin (laughs) that's covering... You know, oh it's almost God. like I'm wearing a mini skirt of hair. <laughs> and we would just do that super straight, like the best acting we possibly could to try to capture oh, the feel of that. My God. And it was like, I just can't believe how many times I've done that. You know what I mean? Like, oh if it's God. one of your greatest hits, you're going to trot that puppy out yeah, over and over. <laughs> 
So, yeah. So you, I mean, your spectrum of acting is wide. (laughs) I mean, another hat. Except this one's on your badge. That's exactly it. (laughs) That is exactly it. Um, Okay. Talk to me about Stan Against Evil. Yes. What is this? Because I, you guys hashtag it a lot. Yes. And I was trying to go through the hashtag and find out what exactly yeah. it was. Did you see a bunch of weird like. I saw some boomerangs. Some boomerang, I saw some, some like, I think you're in like a park ranger or something. Yeah. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. I yeah. do play a sheriff. A sheriff. Uh, okay. Looks a lot like a park ranger's uniform. <laughs> There's absolutely no getting around that. But and I'm it? also in the woods a lot. So yeah. it makes sense that it would seem that maybe I was a park so ranger. So this is a horror film. It's a, it's a show. It's, it's a an, show. It's, it's an IFC show. Okay. Um, it is created by Dana Gould, who yes. is a spectacularly funny stand-up, but also a you know amazing writer. Wrote on The Simpsons for many, many, many yeah. years. Many of the best moments in The Simpsons he is responsible for. Amazing. Uh, and so it's very much that brand of humor of just like constant jokes very mm-hmm. strange you know it's not i wouldn't say it's like a live action cartoon but it had but it certainly has the same absurd humor okay. as as the simpsons do, uh does do the simpsons do There's, as people the simpsons do as sure. a show the simpsons does, does? The, okay. the simpsons the religion as it, uh-huh. as it appeases everyone <laughs> that's right. yeah that's right oh you're a simpsonist yeah. um uh and so yeah so it's it's john c mcginley plays a character named stan who is the uh former sheriff of a small town in new hampshire called willard's mill okay um his wife dies uh he is fired from his job as sheriff and i i come in um from the big city excited to kind of move into the small town with my daughter. I'm a, recently divorced. Okay. And uh, and just kind of have like a ch- more chill life than being a cop in Boston. Cool. Uh, I don't know if any of that, that's what I was told when I, <laughs> I don't know that we ever, much like the psychic in the bathroom, I don't think you ever see any of that. That's just like, just Your for me. Your inner backstory. That's yeah. just for me. <laughs> now just for all of us. Uh, and so there, it turns out that there is a curse on the sheriff, the role of the okay. sheriff, uh, and has been for like a hundred years. Okay. Um, and so every sheriff of Willard's Mill dies. Uh, and it turns out that there's this kind of weird curse on on the sheriff. So other people in the town certainly die, but it is uh, up to Evie and Stan, who w- was fired before he could be killed, but is still certainly a target. Right. Uh, he and I have to work together to continually fight lots of, you know, crazy monsters. And, and we use practical effects. So it's really fun because oh, you're that's in so the fun. room with this giant slimy pig monster for example that's so cool yeah that part of it is really fun that's i mean awesome. the whole thing is really fun it's when, all it's all a blast when did you guys shoot this we were we our third season premieres on halloween okay um so yeah we shoot it in atlanta we shoot atlanta for new hampshire which is like, like only sure. one of about 50 cities that atlanta stands in for nowadays <laughs> Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, it's really fun because it's like, it it is the closest, you know, when I was recording Cora, I I would make the joke, um, you know, well, I'll never get to play, you know, a hero in real life. I'm, I'm kind of a comedy kid, so Uh I'll, no one would ever ask me to actually do anything like that. And then Dana created this character and sort of said, you know, you're the female Harrison Ford. So my character actually is pretty straight on the show. Um, and I get to do a lot of like stunts I was gonna and say, stuff. Have you so, done stunt training and yeah, things like that? Yeah, I mean, that? 
on the job training. It's not sure. like I went through a. Pro- I did, but I, I had to go to a firing range and you know learn Whoa. how to fire a gun, which I had never done before. It's I find Dang. it terrifying. It makes me cry. It's, <laughs> really, I was just. I mean, it's yeah. more adrenaline. It's like a month's worth of adrenaline. Yeah. In, in an hour's time. Yeah, you had to take a long nap after that. Yeah, yeah. But that's insane. That must yeah. be like such a cool, different muscle to flex. It's really fun. It's really fun. It's it's fun to sort of make the stunt. Like I have a wonderful, wonderful stunt double who does for sure all of the really hard stuff. Her name's yeah. Amy, and then Bob Fisher, who's our stunt coordinator, to make them proud of me when they're like, I don't know, this one you might be able to like. Do you want to try? Do you want to do this one? Like Amy can do it, but you'd probably be able to do this one. Oh, uh, I get so excited, like, <laughs> and, and I don't question whether it's safe or not. I'm like, I trust them implicitly. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. the fearlessness that I don't have in my regular life uh-huh. kind of comes on for that. Yeah, and then it almost feels like probably like a maternal, paternal. Like, I'm making them proud of me moment. 100%. 100%. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay, I want to ask you about uh, the JV Club, which is your podcast. Yeah. And this is where you ask people about, like, their adolescence in yeah. a way. How did this You better about? get ready because you know that you're going to be doing it Please, can I come point. on yeah. and Awkward be a guest? Awkward stories. Oh, that's my yeah. brand. It's, it's just oeuvre. Yeah. That's just a word I like to use sometimes. Yeah, that's... Because <laughs> oh. it sounds more like a like a body response that's yeah. happening rather than a Sweating. Word. That's yeah. why I sweat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've been doing it for six or seven years now. That's I mean, I'm, nuts. I'm, I'm, I'm staring down the barrel of, uh, of the, my 300th episode. Um, but I had to take a little hiatus cause I was out of the country and just kind of gone for the mm-hmm. last month. And then also was sort of looking at shuffling over and moving into a different network. And then weirdly before I even announced that was happening, the Nerdist podcast network basically collapsed. So <laughs> I was like, Universe well, that's got me moving in, a little faster yeah. now. I guess I actually have to complete my preparation. Yeah, the universe works in mm-hmm. weird ways. We've had our fair share of all yeah. of that multiple times over yeah. here on Not Too Deep. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, but it forces you to, you know, shift and adapt. Yeah. Uh, but what was the impetus for this? Because I know you grew up Mormon, right? And then you left Mormonism yeah. or I, something I would, along yeah, those lines. That's, that's a fair characterization I I would never I wouldn't say I ever believed in anything yeah I, but yeah. I grew up Catholic I did I mean, all the sacraments and right now because your family's like guess what you're doing but also we went yeah. back my grandmother passed away a couple weeks ago we went and, uh, home for her uh, funeral and we all went to the Catholic church because that's what she wanted sure. and it was just me and my brothers and I literally like five minutes into the mass just whispered to my brother like this is fucking weirder than I remember this being <laughs> I got so a little distance <laughs> came back and, and all of us were like ah What's yeah. happening? <laughs> You're trying to smoke us out with this goddamn incense right now. This is I, nuts. And that, you know what? That is, I I love. I wouldn't say love, but I find Catholic ceremonies very fascinating for all the reasons you just described. Yeah. Because Mormon religion, I, I my mom had custody of me on Sundays, so I had uh-huh. to go to church with her. Um, but it is so vanilla oh, in yeah. comparison. So, you know, the, ch- the the Mormon churches are, are except for the temples, which mm-hmm. are sort of spectacular. And, and that's oh, uh, kind of what they focus very on. Very beautiful, very opulent. Yeah. yeah. But, the, but the actual like regular weekly meeting houses are purposefully more like, you know, what plain. a Quaker would. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. just completely plain. There's no stained glass. There's no, you know, the sacrament is... Like, uh, they, like, like the teenage boys, you know, sort of, instead of being an altar boy, you're mm-hmm. just like a kid with a priesthood who tears up little pieces of 
Wonder Bread. Yeah. Um, God, I would have killed for Wonder Bread instead of this I know, stale right? shit. That oh, please, could. you would be so hungry. And then, but that it was so gummy, like yeah. so quickly, it just becomes so like, mm, I can pry it off the top of your mouth. <laughs> but you, you're, you part, kind of participate in it. You take the, there's the sure. trays that go down the aisle and you're, um, but, but yeah, so the idea of like going and like kneeling in front of someone who's putting like a little beautiful wafer <laughs> on your tongue and they don't believe, Mormons don't believe that, you know, the, in, uh, transubstantiation, that's mm-hmm. what it's called, right? The Mormons aren't like, yes. thank you. <laughs> Jack, Mormons Jack. aren't saying uh, now, now I have Christ's body and blood in my stomach, mm-hmm. which I yeah, but the Catholics, Prefer. Catholics believe that. But yeah, they're yeah. like, and now I have some blood and body in yeah, me. Yeah, and I just a full cannibal here. Yeah, in yeah. This yeah. Cannibals. Cannibals and that's and, fascinating and, and vampires. To, to Mormons. And vampires, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, I don't know why more nerds aren't into it. I mean, basically, <laughs> we've crossed into the fantasy genre so quickly. <laughs> I mean, that's really where it's at. Uh, you get your best sliver of real life cannibalism and vampires. Um, but yeah, so you, so you went and, and you were like, wow, this yeah, is Yeah, it was whole... weird. And also like all of we did like the you know communion and my mom like whispered because my parents are also divorced and like my mom whispered like oh it's gonna be weird when none of my brothers and sisters go up and none of the kids go up and literally the <laughs> did communion and like my uncle went up and was the only one and there's like 50 of us in oh, this man. church yeah. just sitting in the pews I was like this is our silent protest my family's cool as yeah. hell yeah. this is great that's right take a look okay, take a look guys this is what is going on uh, with your church right now it was so nuts okay yeah. but so did that oh, yeah. have so, any play into you starting the podcast or I mean for me I think it was more that I felt like I was being I, I felt like I was being confronted um, living in LA having moved from what I would sometimes affectionately term the real world mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, of being in San Francisco and kind of having what I called like a grown up job or, yeah. you know, whatever, um, to going to this place where suddenly, I mean, I couldn't, the first, when, when the managers who had coaxed me into coming down, um, just like, just crash on someone's couch for yeah. a m- couple months while I did pilot season, the whole thing, um, just seemed so crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that I would like get up in the morning, like, oh, what's my job today? Oh, put on a push up bra and like <laughs> read these weird lines that aren't me. Like that's my job and, yeah. and find where, wherever I'm supposed to go in this giant city. Mm-hmm. It was so absurd to me that it felt like I was sort of floating above my own life. Yeah. Like, oh, this isn't a job. This isn't work. What is this? Yeah. Uh, and then, and then gradually as you sort of become accustomed to that, then the things that kind of rise to the surface are like hard work isn't necessarily rewarded as you find out, as you watch peers, friends of yours who you consider to be brilliant mm-hmm. and more talented than people you're seeing on television, not getting work or right. not having an agent and busting tables and all of that. It just becomes like, it, it, certainly that can be true in any work environment where somebody gets gets to the top for weird reasons or you know but this is like it feels like predicated on timing and luck and happenstance and relationships and uh just so much of it feels arbitrary that I was really confronted with a lot of feelings that I could not remember having felt since I was like 14 or 15 years old it was a sense of like insecurity and like that self-value like evaluation on things that shouldn't matter as much like Mm -hmm. maybe my hair was an inch too long maybe I was one size too big like all of these physical things that were not a part of my life in San Francisco at all right and I was going and sitting in these audition rooms and some people I would just meet girls I would meet that I had no relationship to outside of just consistently being called in for the same roles yeah and some of them would have 
you know, the, their way of kind of coping with the weirdness of it would be to be a little frosty and maybe be competitive. Yeah. And then some, the ones that I gravitated towards were also feeling what I was feeling, which was like, this is so weird. Yeah. Is this weird? Yeah. Like, and, and so I really started feeling this kind of support from fellow women who also were like, this is crazy, right? Is mm -hmm. this crazy? Uh, that I thought, well, you know, I kind of looked around in the burgeoning podcast world of which there weren't that many at the time. Time. Yeah. Um, and there weren't a lot of female hosts and then there weren't a lot of female guests either from my observation, mm -hmm. especially in the comedy world, I guess. For sure. Um, and so I decided to start a podcast where it was just I would interview women and kind of talk about the how as an adult you are in situations all the time where you kind of have to ask yourself like, oh, I thought I had matured past this feeling. Yeah, I feel like, that, I mean, you've been doing it for six years, but the, it's a timeless scenario. It's timeless. It's a timeless emotion and emotional response to things that even more now than uh, ever, really, it feels like that's a very... Um, just applicable kind of yeah. conversation. And it's a great way to get to know somebody. I think, you know, I'm not, I don't want to pry into someone's personal fears and, and their, you know, their moments, their intimate moments of today. Right. But I think usually we have a little perspective, even guests I've had who are just fresh out of being teens. Mm -hmm. um, there's a little bit of distance. And I think you can kind of look at it with like a sort of fond perspective that, and you feel more inclined to kind of share that part of yourself. Yeah. Um, and I, so I think we've gotten to know, I say we as like me as a listener of the podcast, you know, in the moment, a listener sure. of the podcast, I think we've gotten a chance to meet people that have opened up in ways that they don't elsewhere just because I'm not asking them, I'm not prying into their love life mm -hmm. now, but I'm, we're hearing a lot about, you know, their love life when they were 16 and just yeah. falling in love for the first time. And so you, I, I, I so often walk away going like, Oh my gosh, I feel like I've known that person forever. You, cause you just get this dose yeah. of who they really are and and where they came from you know that is so cool well okay on we're gonna schedule my um, oh yes we are my guest to go I've on your had podcast you requested so many times and I, I was like want... I don't know Grace I don't know her yet well, I really want to it's happening we're gonna take a quick Yay. break and we're gonna figure this out awesome. we'll be right back with internet questions for Janet when we get back more not too deep This episode of Not Too Deep is brought to you by our good buddies at Squarespace. Ah, oh, they are so good. They've been with us for a long time, and they want you to know that you can turn your dream into a reality with Squarespace. Mm -hmm. They make it easier than ever to launch your passion project, whether you're looking to start a new business, showcase your work, publish content, sell products, and more. Squarespace is the tool for you. With beautiful templates created by world-class designers and the ability to customize just about anything with a few clicks, you can easily make a beautiful website yourself. Mm -hmm. They have a powerful e-commerce functionality, which lets you sell anything online and analytics help you grow your site in real time. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box and there's nothing to patch or upgrade ever. Buying domains is simple and you'll get the help you need with Squarespace's 24-7 award-winning customer support. Squarespace empowers millions of people from designers to lawyers, artists to gamers, even restaurants and gyms to turn great ideas into something real. And I can attest to this because as I've always said pretty much every week now, mm -hmm. I use Squarespace. He's a real customer. Yeah, and it works great. So uh, yeah, you haven't had any problems. No. 
It's awesome. I don't, I don't need that 24-7 customer support. Whoa. It just works really, really, it's really easy. Humble brag. But you guys can also <laughs> get in on the action by going to squarespace.com slash grace for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code grace to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash grace, offer code grace. Not, not too deep. This episode of Not Too Deep is brought to you by Poshmark. Poshmark is the easiest way to buy and sell fashion items. You download the free Poshmark. Poshmark app to shop from tons of brands across women's, kids, and men's. You won't believe the deals you'll find, like Louis Vuitton bags for $300. Oh my God. Which is insane. That seems nuts. Shipping is super fast and easy for both the seller and buyer and is handled all through the Poshmark app. So when you see something that you want, you simply make the seller an offer so you can get the items at a price that works for you. Ooh, bargaining, haggling, making connections. <laughs> Need to clean out your closet? Listing on Poshmark is super easy. You just upload pictures of your stuff to the app, set a price, and then ship to the lucky buyer. No more waiting in line at your local thrift store just to leave empty-handed. So Grace, as you know, I have a problem with... Um, jackets. I buy too many jackets. You have a lot of jackets. I, I wasn't going to say it. I have like seven leather jackets. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this app has been great for just um, perusing. And um, Yeah, you don't have to go store to store. It's all in the app. You can peruse whenever you want. Yeah. Also, for me, as the one that constantly gets rid of like clothes because she's um, bored with them. I don't need to constantly take it to goodwill. I can actually make maybe a profit off of this. There you go. Get some of that money back. Yeah. Also, I don't have to like peruse TJ Maxx, Marshalls, any of these other situations. I can literally buy everything without human contact, which as we all know is my favorite sport. (laughs) So instead of buying new things, head to Poshmark to shop from millions of closets across America. And today you can get $5 off your first purchase when you enter the invite code GRACE, G-R-A-C-E, when you sign up. So just download the Poshmark app, sign up, and enter the code grace for five bucks off your first purchase uh yes before we get to internet questions i'm going to ask you the two questions i ask every single guest that is on not too deep and the first is who alive or dead would you most like to throw cold spaghetti at oh god alive or dead cold spaghetti god it's so specific maybe i want to throw really hot spaghetti at someone sure you can do that burn their face uh (laughs) throw cold spaghetti at oh boy gosh it's really hard not to just get into current events and i'm sure everyone has the same answer there's a lot of trumps yeah i mean i see i would that's like i'm but um, then i'm sure all people also are like cold spaghetti's too good for him um (laughs) that's like food that someone should be yeah Yeah. i want to throw yeah you know what i want to throw cold spaghetti at somebody who really likes cold spaghetti i want to throw cold spaghetti at like a dog that loves eating (laughs) cold spaghetti because it would be really funny to watch them have that think think of that as a gift. Yeah, I mean you have two dogs, right? I do. Okay, what are their I don't names? Know if they've you've eaten spaghetti. Uh, Scott is one, and Whitley is the other. Scott and Whitley. Scott and Whitley. Oh, I love human names on dogs. I'm also a big fan. That's great. I'm also a big fan. Um, okay, so the other question that I ask every single guest on the podcast is to tell us your worst pants shitting story or close call, but you yeah. can only use uh, three words or three small phrases or kind of a mix of the two. So right. mine is college jogging front lawn. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, mine is f- flannel pajamas. <laughs> oh no, those are absorbent. Uh, bra- brand new chair, uh, uh, like a early morning sneeze. 
Oh, oh yeah. no. Yeah. Wow. I remember it like it was yesterday. It happened when I was in San Francisco and yeah, like when I was about 20. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That is a lot of um, fabric scenarios. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you had an immediate memory. Oh, Some people yeah. don't. It's my only, it's the only time anything like that has ever happened. But <sighs> I was like, wow. The thing I remember thinking, yeah. if I may, because I feel that you'll be able Please to relate do. to this, yeah. is like, Wow, it's amazing how something body temperature goes cold this like so fast after it's left your body. That's what I remember thinking. Like, yeah. whoa, that just happened. Why That's am I, I why is it freezing? That yeah, uh immediate hot to cold. Oh. And also like blood going from like blue green to red yeah. is always like a bizarre That's beautiful way. magic. Human bodies are nuts. Yep. Okay, let's get into these internet questions. Awesome. Okay. Someone wants to know because this is kind of combining something we haven't talked about yet, but that you had a series with Geek and Sundry about uh, escape rooms. Yeah. Is that something that you are into just in Love general? Them. Okay. I've never done one. Grace. I just get... I get <laughs> I get Put it on the list. I Put know. it on the JVGH list. I know. I get claustrophobic and then relying on other people. I feel like you'll see the worst side of me and I don't know that I want to show that to I'm, you. I'm hearing everything you're saying and but I'm, I know I'm, I'm nodding purpose. my head on the inside because I feel the same. Yeah. And it's not that yeah like well, it's not that you won't feel as claustrophobic I, yeah I, you will feel frustrated by your fellow woman, <laughs> yeah. womankind and mankind but you yeah i get like yeah you have to be distracted by the idea of like working together and solving yeah. and figuring things out um but someone wants to know do you think team avatar could make it out of an escape room uh oh yeah yeah in a second and i don't think they would have to cheat I don't even think they would have to bend anything at all. I think they could do it just on wits alone. Just on brain. Oh, yeah. Uh, I agree with you. Um, Someone wants to know, can you tell us about your first day in kindergarten? Did you cry when your parents left? I still remember mine, and I'm older than you. Okay, first of all, I definitely, I definitely, yeah. So this is why Twitter exists. Thank you, Twitter. I don't know why you're mad at me, because I love you, whoever you are. Um, But... I do. My mine is a little weird because I went to a preschool that somehow gave, like somehow I learned all my kindergarten stuff. Oh, which I'm like, does that just mean not wetting your pants? Like I yeah. don't speaking of. But um, so my first day of kindergarten, I think might have been my last day of kindergarten. And then they, they put me into first grade. Oh, um, nice. But yeah, I remember uh, I remember being in. I, oh, for sure. I cry. I mean, I didn't, I have, I still get homesick even when I'm at home. I don't yeah. know what that feeling is, but sometimes <laughs> I'll just be at a dinner table with a bunch of people I love and this feeling of melancholy will wash over me that feels exactly like you're at camp yeah. trying to fall asleep in a cabin with a bunch of strangers for the first night. It's like, <laughs> it's just this homesick feeling. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely had that separation anxiety for, you know, anytime I had to be separated from, oh. you know, and then, and then be in a new situation. Well, that's sweet. I, I think you appeased this seemingly yeah. stressed Twitter user. Um, okay. Someone wants to know if you could have three foods that you can eat perpetually with no <laughs> negative ramifications, what would they be? Grace, you will find this out when you do my podcast, but I play uh-huh. a game of mash at oh. the end of all my podcasts, mansion, apartment, oh, shack house. Hell yes. Yeah. And uh-huh. so that I can't, I don't know why I just, I just <laughs> M-A-S-H. Like the actual sign language. Uh, that was interesting. <laughs> That's a weird tick, isn't it? Cause that <laughs> happened. I was like watching it happen going, huh, who's that? Uh, so that is the question I ask every person because I love that question. So 
oh. uh, Twitter person who asked me that is they know they're doing me a solid because mm-hmm. they're asking me a question that I love to ask. Uh, if I could have three foods that I could eat perpetually, um, I, I have never grown tired of peanut butter. Mm-hmm. I do love peanut butter. Um, uh, I would say that. I would say uh, I would say maybe just cereal. Any oh, okay. just so I, if I can have my choice of cereals. Um, and then I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go old school kid, Janet, because I, I'm sure that I probably wouldn't choose this now, but I want to do myself a favor, my younger self a favor and say peanut M&Ms. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. Cause I could house a bag of peanut M&Ms. They're so good. Also yeah. like to double down on peanut butter, peanut butter I know. M&Ms. What's up? That's great. how much I love peanut butter <laughs> and peanuts. Um, I love asking people this question and, uh, Laura, wants to know what do you wish people would stop asking you oh sure oh boy that's a good question I don't know if I have one of those right now I feel like I've had them but I don't know if I've had I think it's I'm not tired of it but I will say that when I do a con and someone says you know did you like being the voice of Cora it's like they can ask me that all day long so I'm not tired of it in that right. sense but like are you gonna be like but, no but I yeah did not enjoy yeah. it <laughs> I feel like you can expand your question out to ask for more detail because right. you like if anybody who has ever followed anything I've ever said yeah. ever about that job they already know yeah 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 but, but maybe they just want to hear me say in person like sure. this is I want to hear the thing I know you're gonna say which is that it was a glorious experience and I just right. need to have that re you know uh, reinforced in my brain, in my brain live. But yeah, yeah. I, but you know, if you want to ask me, if you think you can only ask me one question, uh, at a con, you can skip past that and ask <laughs> a really detailed question. Like ask me to really dish on something. Yeah. Do you have, uh, when you go to cons or when you do any sort of events or anything, do you have like, what are your limitations on like personal questions versus like professional questions. Um, I don't, I just don't even, I think that the fandom, uh, I don't know if it's just for the shows I've been fortunate enough to do, but, um, I never have anyone ask me anything. I wish they wouldn't have asked. I can really? never have anyone pry. They're just really never, respectful. Never. I've literally cannot think of one time that's where I've awesome. been at a con and someone has asked something and I've been like, mm, that's private. Like Whoa. never. That's yeah, awesome. I know. It's great. Yeah, that's a Also, very- they're, they're just not that interested in me as a person, but more <laughs> the people I've gotten to work with and the, yeah, which is sure. all great. Um, someone wants to know, what is your rap name? Oh, my rap name? Mm-hmm. Ooh. I know, this one's a hard That's one. a good one. Uh, I, I, I would say uh, right now... It's probably Javers because that is <laughs> Javers, what, yeah, Timothy, that? it's J-V-E-R-S. <laughs> okay. Um, it is a recent nickname that Timothy Omenson from Psych, uh-huh. who did Fortune Rookie. Yeah. Uh, I he, love his whole narrative in it. so amazing. <laughs> yeah. And he, uh, that came out of nowhere. Like oh, he's, really? I, I don't have any memory of him calling me Javers, but the Tim on the show apparently mm-hmm. calls Janet Varney on the show Javers. <laughs> And he calls it, a, he calls me that a bunch of times. Great. And I've already had someone like text me and say, oh, I'm definitely calling you Javers from now on. Get so, it. Yeah. Lock it down. Javers. TM. Um, okay. So I want to know who was your childhood crush? I like everyone on Boy Meets World and Bruce Willis. <laughs> what a spectrum of, I don't but they're saying it in present tense so I don't know if they're a child asking yeah. this oh now or if they it. just 
I love just, Yeah, those are two. If, if those are both present tense, that is a trick. Yeah. I want to say, by the way, th- at least three members of the cast of Boy Meets World was at New York Comic Con and people were psyched. They were really excited. Yeah, and that's, those guys I grew were up, really nice. Yeah, I grew yeah. up on them for sure. They were really cool. Um, uh, I did used to have a crush on Bruce Willis. I wouldn't say that it has maintained um, in any way, shape or form. But my biggest crushes when I was younger were, and I seriously like, I know this probably like, uh, first of all, I'm not in love with my father. My dad's rad. He's a good friend. He was a great dad. He was not like a friend dad. He was like, I'm in charge, dad. Like right. he would charge me a dollar if I didn't make my bed in the morning. Okay. I like the that being said, caveat to whatever's about to happen. The <laughs> principal people I had crushes on were my father's age when I was little. Oh, okay. And it's because I like worshipped my dad's sense of humor. And sure. so when he showed me a Steve Martin movie or he showed me a Kevin Klein movie, mm-hmm. I was like, those are the sexy guys in the world. That so, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so There's, those were two really those both of those guys for me when I was like maybe two like other people were like I love Michael J. Fox I was like <laughs> totally me too Kevin Klein and your mustache and fish called Wanda or whatever. I mean that's fair. There's no what is it Ophelia complex here? All clear. Apparently I don't Electra. know. Electra. Electra. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, okay, so a lot of the questions I'm just gonna kind of like put them all in one to wrap up with. Um, everyone wants to know about Cora. And so I think the big question is everyone wants to know, like, what's the one major thing you took away from working on Legend of Cora? Like, is there one major lesson or ma- major like life, I don't know, th- philosophy thing that you're like, that was really cool and changed me. And I will take this with me. moving uh, forward. Absolutely. I mean, I think the n- number one thing for me was, um, I think what worked about Cora for some people and maybe what people, some people didn't like about Cora, which was how flawed she was. Mm-hmm. And that was what made it, I think, possible for me to have a handle on playing her at all. Mm. Because, um, I Human. make decisions all the time that I'm later like, what was I, you know, and yeah. like, I'm sure I'm annoying in the present to people when I'm making bad decisions and stuff. So, uh, so I think for me, it was, you know, just the, even the most important, even the most sort of socially important people in the world make bad decisions and have to overcome those things and Mm -hmm. come out stronger. And just having that reinforced uh, on a regular basis, working on that show made me feel stronger and made me feel Uh, And it was such an honor to play her. Quite honestly, I do. I've had moments where it's so dumb, but uh, I've had moments where I've been very scared in a situation and I have actually thought to myself, like, it's, this sounds what so childish. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and beyond that, I thought I got to play Cora. I'm not going to be the person who backs it down from this because I want to do that legacy proud. Yeah. And so I am very thankful um, that I got the opportunity to do that because I think it continues to make me either stand up for myself or, you know, make choices. Like even if I get hurt Mm -hmm. sometimes and all you want to do is be the baby that's like, you know, know, that I've been like, ah, Cora went through so much worse and she just stood right back up and went about her business. Why Mm -hmm. don't I just like get to the other side of this faster and not indulge this feeling? Um, So yeah, it was big life change stuff truly that's huge and I think that's something that is a timeless philosophy a timeless kind of 
uh, mantra to keep to yourself, regardless of whether you're 12 or if you're 60, that, you know, no matter what, life's not easy all the time, but dwelling on things is wasting your time versus like figuring it out and that knowing that you're capable enough to figure something out. Absolutely. I think that's awesome. Uh, And I think that obviously that resonates with the audience that's been built in the Janet Varney kind of (laughs) brand house school of comedy (laughs) wonderfulness. Um, We've reached the end of the podcast, but before you go, we give everyone um, a little token of our appreciation. It's a personalized fortune cookie just for you. Wait a minute. Wait, Which, yeah. seriously? Mm-hmm. But so you, like, is it usually a fortune cookie? Uh-huh. That's amazing because my show is Fortune Rookie. I know. Well, you can open this up. I and saw this moment. I feel. <laughs> Six years ago when I walked out of that fake psychic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. This is so exciting. Yeah. Well, you know, we it's, yeah, we'll see. You got to read the fortune, I guess, to find out. <laughs> oh my God. I want to apologize. I'm not going to eat the cookie because I would shit my pants and I, throw up because I'm allergic <laughs> to flour. So I encourage uh, anyone, even whoa, allergy free, to oh, not wait, eat it. I got scared that I didn't have a future. Oh, and yeah. I didn't I'm know like, what did that we meant. prank her on this? It's here. Fortune it's here, guys. It's here. Okay. So I read it out loud. Sure. Great. All right. Here we go. This. <laughs> Yeah. This seems oddly inception-y considering your new IFC series, Fortune Rookie. We're feeling a lot of pressure. Oh, God, we're going to puke BRB. <laughs> Whoa, weird, weird. That's yeah. what a coincidence. I got oh, my chills. God. Uh, Jen, exciting. I love that. That's so funny. I know. That's well, amazing. That was very cool to realize the connection there. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for being here. This Thanks was for having me. Of what course. A- this was super fun. <sighs> Where can people find you and everything that you are doing if they don't already know? Um, uh, you can go to uh, my website is janetvarney.com. I'm on Twitter at Janet Varney. I'm on Instagram, the JV Club. Mm-hmm. Um, those are good spots. The JV Club podcast is, uh, is there's a jvclub.org. Um, and then I think it's, you can still find the feed if you just are on, you know, Stitcher or iTunes or whatever. So the podcast awesome. is still very much out there and available. To and Fortune to. Rookie and all of it. Yeah. That's awesome. And look for my upcoming episode on the JV Club. Oh, I cannot wait. Hell yeah. Uh, thank you again so much. Thank this you, was Grace. so much fun. Thanks for those great questions from Twitter, guys. Awesome. You guys were great. And um, we'll see you next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. I feel we went deep. It happens now. I'm 33. I'm allowed. Yeah. <laughs> too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Grace Helbig. This episode of Not Too Deep is brought to you by Third Love. Third Love is passionate about the perfect fit and they believe it's time for your bra to fit you and not the other way around. Their collections are designed by women for women so you will love the way you feel under each and every look. And now they offer over 70 sizes and more than a dozen styles so you'll find the perfect bra for every moment and every outfit. And get 15% off your first purchase by going to thirdlove.com grace today. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated, producer and directed by Jack Ferry. Producer and editor, Melissa D. Mons. Writing by Diane Kang. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. And an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. 